You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 105th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life, when I'll be leaving the topic of self-discovery and starting the month of February interviewing guests about couples. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today I have with me Elizabeth Conry Davidson and her husband, Rob Maurer. Conry is an attorney from St. Mary's University Law School, and Rob is a commercial insurance broker and a risk management and safety expert for over 30 years. I invited Rob and Conry as my guests because they are a wonderful couple who had to kiss a few frogs before finding each other. They are soulmates, and it's a joy to spend time with them. Welcome, Rob and Conry, and thank you so much for joining us today to talk about couple relationships. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kim. So I have some questions that I want to ask you. The first few questions are things that I know you've been through on the path to either finding each other or creating greater happiness in your relationship. So I want to talk to you about those things, not to dwell on the past or some things that were hard, but for you to actually be able to share with people in the audience who may be going through some similar things. So you good with that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So the first question is, are you still clinging to a past life, identity, profession, or skill that you no longer have, and why? Was that true for either one of you? I don't think it is for me. I think it definitely was for me. So my expectations, this is my second marriage. My first marriage was 25 years, and I think I had expectations of what a relationship could be or the bad parts of a relationship. I had to get over that. Prior to that, even mommy issues, basically being my own person and not being told what to do. It was difficult because I had expectations of a relationship. That's not the reality that I experienced. And I had to make a quick adjustment. Yeah, I know. I hear that from a lot of people. I think expectations can be relationship killers in a a lot of different relationships, not just couples relationships. We have expectations of other people, and it's so rare for them to be able to meet our expectations because our expectations usually involve some form of perfection or idealism. And first of all, they don't really know your expectations because they're in your head. Mm -hmm. And then even if they wanted to meet your expectations, it might be really challenging to do. Would you say that's one of the things that can get in the way of a healthy relationship is expectations that you might have of the other person or even peripheral people in your life? Oh, absolutely. I I agree. It takes time to get over that because for the first few years, when Conrad and I were together, it was constantly saying, well, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the, can I say bitch? the bitch to come out, you know, or, or, or the anger or this and that, and it never has. So. Isn't that interesting? So would you say in your 25 year marriage, Rob, that it felt familiar to you and that's why you stayed so long? Yeah. When, when you know what to expect, you know how to act. Then you throw kids in on top of that. And there's a commitment. I felt like my commitment to my kids was stronger than actually at the end than my commitment to my marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you for that. That was pretty personal. I appreciate you sharing that with us. What do you think might prevent a person from keeping their promises to themselves and others throughout their relationship? One thing is you could forget that you made a promise. You could forget that you made some kind of a commitment. You could feel like it's impossible for you to do it. You could get derailed by some little thing, you know. I mean, I'm not thinking so much of my relationship with Rob because once I commit to doing something, but there are habits, there are things where I'll do something and it's not part of what I wanted to be like. You know, you just do stuff and then you realize, hey, that's not in line with what I was planning to present here or who to be here. And it's helpful to be with somebody who's understanding that sometimes both parties might lapse in small ways. I don't mean in big ways, obviously, like infidelity or something, because commitment's difficult. Commitments are difficult about everything, about relationships, about any other thing that you commit to, if it's a real commitment. It's just difficult. There are a lot of obstacles. It's easier to fail than it is to succeed in some ways, but you just have to keep on trying. Rob, do you have anything to add to that question? Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) I do agree. I don't know if it was your book or Glasser's book, but one thing that really impacted me was a relationship and a marriage is two people giving 100%. Not two people giving 50% each. It's two people giving 100%, 100% of the time. That is always stuck in my head. And I live by that. And I think I'm happier for it. Nice. I like that. Would you say that you're satisfied with where you are in your life? I'm so satisfied on where I am in my life. I don't know what to do. This is unfamiliar territory. (laughs) Professionally, I'm at the top of my game. I'm married to somebody who wants to be married to me, which is really amazing. We have an intellectual relationship. I don't mean we talk about highbrow crap. I mean... (laughs) We can talk back and forth about ideas and thoughts, philosophy, politics, and nobody's bored. We'll watch TV and pause it and talk for 30 minutes. So <laughs> I love that. This is new for me. I am thrilled. And Connery's got her own money, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to not be the Prince Charming. And I got to fix everything and I don't get to do what I want. Mm, gotcha. I do what I want and buy what I want. And- I've got a piece of crap Jeep out in the garage that nobody <laughs> likes, but I do. So that's that's all that matters, right? right? That's right. <laughs> okay, Connery, how about you? Are you satisfied where you are in your life? I am very satisfied. Sometimes I think about the future and retirement and what I'm going to do about that, but I don't worry about it. It's just something that's there. But other than that, I'm a very successful, busy lawyer. I have unlimited amounts of work that I can do. I get to travel the world. I'm with the man I love and we have a blast. We laugh all the time. We really do every day, whether it's him dancing stupidly or (laughs) what were you doing? What were you doing to Cash? He had on earbuds the other day and Cash is laying here and he was mad at Cash because our dog, because he started a fight with the dog next door and He had on earbuds and he was singing some song to Cash and he was very important, but he was lip syncing it. And I was like, later, what song were you singing to him? (laughs) It's just ridiculous. It was a new song. Uh, I've got a new girl now. And I was singing, (laughs) I've got a new dog now. (laughs) But no, we 
live in a lovely house and we get along. We have a great time. And we're both relationship people. The thing that I really most wanted and needed in my life, I was already a good lawyer and made plenty of money and was happy with that. I wanted to find a mate who I was really happy with. And that has made it really wonderful. What would you say to people who are listening, who aren't satisfied with where they are in their life? What advice might you have for them? There's so many things, but one is for me, I never have had kids. I have been married before, but I don't have that thing of kids, but it's really trying to sit and take a look at, does this feel good? Do I like this? Am I happy? And then try to figure out what is it that's missing or what it is that you want. I mean, one of the things that I did, you know, Kim, is I read a book that said basically make a spreadsheet of all the things, deal breakers, the things that you really need to have. You could even do that if you're in a relationship. I presume that you could do that and work with the person that you're with to try to figure out those things. My biggest problem, I think, in the past was not really having a clear sense of what I want and what I needed. There were times when I valued being in a relationship more than I valued being in a good relationship. I just didn't really look at anything else. You have to make a difficult assessment of whether you like where you are or not and whether it's the best for you and whether it can be improved or not. There's different options, obviously. You can try to change yourself. You can leave or you can see if they will do some things to cooperate with you to make things better. And I think in the past, I probably didn't really do that. I just went along. I was just sort of dragged along with whoever I was with. You accommodated. Absolutely. Yeah. Rob, is there anything you want to add to that? I really think that if you're doing the same thing over and over, you can't expect a different result. So at the end of my first relationship, I took a couple of years off and I literally went for a walk every day with my dog and thought about what I could do differently. I read everything I could on relationships, Buddhism, meditation, things like that. And I think that helped me to be receptive to the next relationship, because had I not done that, I don't think I would have been ready for Conry a couple of years later. I took time for myself and said, hey, nobody is 100% blameless in a breakup of a relationship or at fault. And I tried to figure out what I was doing wrong. I think that helped me a lot. Just introspection. Yeah, I think you're both saying the same thing in terms of you took time to really work on yourself before you were ready for the soulmate relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know that you've both mentioned that one of the stumbling blocks in this finding of each other was that you might not have believed that you deserved the relationship. How did you get over that? If you did get over it, and what would you say to people who are struggling with the same issue? That was a really big fight in my own brain. Do I deserve to be happy? And, you know, first of all, you have to define happiness. What's going to make you happy? And after I figured out what would make me happy, which would be less drama, comfort, some mental stimulation, a good sex life, things like that. Yeah, I went there. Uh, (laughs) I then said, okay, well, I can move past this and I can be happy and I can look for that. I know what to look for. And when you find it, then you're ready. I had no intention of getting married again. And then I met Conry and we dated for a couple of years and I went, I can't let this go. It's working and it can work. And hopefully it works for another 40 years. 
Nice. <laughs> I made the grade. You made so you made it. You, you made, made the me, cut. You made me your wife. It's from Climax Blues there Band song. Okay. I, yeah. I wasn't familiar, but that's great. <laughs> We're just gonna say lyrics for the rest of this interview. <laughs> Yeah, that would be fun. Okay. So what would you say to that question about, did you feel you deserved it? And what would you tell other people who might be in that same place? Before I met Rob, we we're talking about a minute ago, was where I got to the point where I felt like being by myself, doing stuff with my girlfriends and did dates. I have a lot of things that I like in my life, like going out to nice meals and drinking champagne and reading books and traveling a certain point it gelled that nobody is worth being with if I don't get to be who I am and do what I want to do. Somebody's got to like me the way that I am. I knew that I deserved, I felt like I deserved something better or good, but I do think that still there are moments, both of us still have some moments where we question whether it's okay for us to be happy and for us to settle into this. And I think that over time, you just get better at it. For people who are struggling with it, you kind of have to separate yourself from the people around you or the person in your relationship and really figure out what's going on inside of you and where you're coming from and what got you to start feeling this way, like you didn't deserve it. You got to take some time and do that. And then you can see, and sometimes the answer is, this is just not the right person to be with. Mm -hmm. And cut your losses. Yes, exactly. Instead of living in misery. Exactly. Absolutely. It's funny because I think people are really, and I was certainly afraid to go there with some people in the past where I'm afraid for this to end, or I'm afraid to make a stand or stand up for myself or do what I want. But someday I realized that's so much less painful and so much better for me than just hanging on to the wrong thing and feeling like all that is, is a miserable relationship. Yeah. I want to ask the question because I didn't do it in the beginning. How long have you guys been together and how long have you been married? Three months. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> A little over eight years. Right. We We've met on basically two- June 25th, 2014. Okay. And, and we got married on August 29th, 2016. Yes. Okay. So- All right. So it's not... Three months old. You've been doing this for a while. That's what I was trying to establish for the lawyer in the room. Yeah. Rob, what do you feel connects you to Connery the most? Oh, wow. I think sex is the glue in in most relationships. So there's that. We can talk. I can talk to her about anything. If I'm having an insecurity, she doesn't judge me for it. I can talk to her about cars incessantly. (laughs) And she will listen like she actually cares. (laughs) It's true. We enjoy being around each other. And I think that's really big. I don't feel like I have to escape. And I think in maybe every relationship I've ever been in in my life, after two, three hours, I need a break. I need to escape. And I don't feel that. She doesn't have just mindless (laughs) babble going on all the time. We talk, we've connected and we've committed to having a fun connection and having a deeper thought pattern with each other. And let's not forget a sexy connection as well. Well, yeah, there's that. You know, I, I, I am a guy. It's not just for guys. Women enjoy sex too. What? And- <laughs> <laughs> 
Some of us do. Let me say that. <laughs> a good sex life. I agree with you. It can be the glue. But I also think that it is a symptom of the health of the relationship. So when the relationship is great, you want to be physically close with one another. When the relationship isn't, you may not care about that so much. Mm -hmm. It's important to say that you kind of joke about it like, uh, yeah, I went there. But I think that's really important. And it's also challenging when you make a commitment to one another and monogamy is part of that commitment. And then you withhold sex from your partner. That's like, now that I got you, I'm going to tie you up in this. You can't be with anybody else because you promised, but you're not going to be with me either. And that can be a huge strain on a relationship. Connery, how about you? What connects you to Rob the most? We really are very similar in a lot of ways when it comes to relationship stuff. Communicating. We just really do have fun talking and time together. I mean, I think we like quality time together. Both of us do. Of course, we don't go to work and come home together and run into each other at the end of the day anymore and have a drink. It's just a certain point. It's like, okay, the day's over. We're going to go sit outside and have a drink. And so many men are not, I feel like, not like Rob. I mean, Rob, and this is not a criticism whatsoever, but he'll hang out and talk to me and tell me about his day and we'll talk about stuff. And I know a lot of my lawyer male friends, their wives complain because when they come home at the end of the day, the husband doesn't want to talk about anything. He's had his day. He doesn't want to talk about it. He's over it. And when I come home after a crazy lawyer day, he listens to me, even if it's stupid, boring stuff that people said at depositions and drove me crazy. And when he comes home at the end of the day or after he goes and visits a site, he comes in and he wants to talk about it. And I think that that is really important to me. I had to be with somebody who's hilarious and cracks me up. And he is just hilarious to me and a very brilliant, hilarious. There's some lowbrow, silly stuff he does like dancing, but you know, there's also intellectual stuff. And sometimes I even don't get it till he explains it to me, but funny. And then obviously he's a very committed husband. He's just so special. He looks at other women. In fact, I say, hey, look at her. She's prettier. Look, her skirt's real high or whatever. I don't care. He looks and that's sort of part of our relationship is noticing stuff like that and using it for fuel for us. But I know that he's completely committed to me and that I'm committed to him. And I don't worry one moment about that. He called me one day. He was freaking out because his phone told him he'd turned off, find my phone. And he was going to some appointment. He calls me and says, not that I've ever even looked him up on find him on his phone. He says, I just want you to know I had a problem with my car and now my find my phone thing is turned off. And I just want you to know that that's what happened if you decide to look me up. <laughs> I'm like, oh my. Oh I know because oh. I never even have looked him up except for in a restaurant together, seeing if it works. Communication, fun, and sex yes. are all very important. And I love what you said about how the sexual relationship is a sign or a symptom of how a relationship is going, because we really make an effort to make sure that that happens, even if we have to tell our neighbors. What did we tell them last time? We have to go wrestle. Yeah, we, we have to go have a <laughs> wrestling match. Yeah. And Gary offered, oh, you got to recharge your batteries. That might be our new one. Because sometimes yeah. we get really busy doing stuff with other people or traveling or whatever, and it's been five or seven days, whatever, you know, we try to make it happen regularly. And we're like, shit, if we go to Anne-Marie and Gary's, it's going to 
We've just started saying, I make him do it. He's kind of gotten into it now, but I'm like, guys, we need a break. We need to leave for a while. And it turned into wrestling. We'll be back in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) That is all the questions that I have for you today, but I just want to give you the opportunity if there's anything you'd like to add in closing, mainly for the audience. The goal for me was always to be in a relationship. And I think that's what everybody thinks that they want and wants. And everybody just different character types and have more emphasis on different things. Mine has always been relationships, but I elevated the fact of a relationship over what I needed, wanted, thought, did, et cetera. And I did that for way too long, like the hundred and hundred percent thing. I mean, you really need to think about what you want as a person and not just have it be tied necessarily to what the other person that you're with or what you're looking for is like. You need to be really clear about what you want and who you are. And obviously it changes over time. I mean, things between us have changed over time since we met about what goals are and what we want, but nothing bigger than who we are together. But I think that that's something I ignored for a long time. And once I started paying attention to it, even though it seems like it could detract from relationships, it's really what makes it work. Right. Given what you said, I'm thinking about a person, whether it's the man or the woman, or if it's a same sex relationship, if one person is giving up what's important to them to accommodate the relationship, then what does that say about what they think of themselves? I'm a big fan of the law of attraction. So if you have someone who's always putting themselves on the back burner to hold on to a relationship that isn't even allowing them to be themselves, what kind of people are they going to attract into their lives? The same kind. I really like your point earlier about how you had to get ready for the right relationship. In my book, Secrets of Happy Couples, for my shameless plug, (laughs) I talk about how When you're between relationships, you talked about making your list, but then the first step is what Rob said, and that's figuring out how you contributed to the breakup of your last relationship. And then the second thing was making your list, Connery, like you talked about, the non-negotiables, the things that you really want and the things that would be nice to have and never compromising on the non-negotiables. And then the third step, which most people leave out, is looking in the mirror and asking yourself, am I the person that this person is going to want to be with? And if the answer is no, then you have some work to do. You either change who you want to have in your life or you improve yourself so that you become a person that that person might be attracted to. And it sounds like you both did that because If you're the insecure person that just wants a relationship and you're willing to do anything to keep the relationship, no matter how dysfunctional, you're not going to be attracting people who are high caliber people. I love that you both took time to grow yourselves, really, to be the kind of people that could comfortably have each other in your life. Yeah, which was almost exactly two years from our last relationship. Right. Rob, how about you? Anything you'd like to add? The only thing that I would add is being (laughs) a male, I'm a little bit (laughs) pigheaded and I think I can fix everything myself. Through the whole process, even after Conrad and I became a couple, I needed to talk to somebody else and get a different perspective. I think that was really important for me. I had the pleasure and opportunity to talk to you, Kim, and you gave me a different perspective on things and I took it to heart and thought about it. 
you can't just say change, do this. It's not that. It's it's, <laughs> it's kind of working through it and kind of figuring out why, because more than one time I hung up the phone and I went, what the hell is she asking me to do? There's <laughs> no way. There's no way. And by the time we talked the next time, I went, okay, I get it. It's something that you can't do alone. You need somebody to be your guide. And yeah, well, and I, I had you as my guide too. Yeah. Kim. I'll pay you later. (laughs) (laughs) I know that this has been an important podcast for people who are in relationships and maybe struggling or between relationships. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being willing to come on and talk about some of the challenges and struggles that you've had. And I also had thought that if there's people listening to this, And they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, they've only been together since 2014 or 16 (laughs) and wait for another 10 years or are thinking, yeah, they're not having any struggles because they don't have kids. If they're all pointing to other factors to illegitimize the things that you've said, I would say that I feel pretty comfortable that I could bring you back in 10 years or 20 years and you're going to hear the same thing from them. I do. I mean that. So I just want to say that up front and say that if you are kind of cheering for them not to be successful, I want you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is it about you and the relationships that you've been having that would cause you to want to tear down a couple that is really doing well and very happy with each other. And if you would like to talk about your relationship or your behavior in a relationship, by all means, look me up and make an appointment at kim at overinternational.com. Again, thank you so much for being willing to share some pretty private and personal things. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. That made me tear up. That was very sweet. Uh, Well, I mean it. To the audience. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be talking with dating coach, Dr. Vic, about her ideas regarding dating. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.